the unofficial holiday of Star Wars fans. May the 4th, as in may the 4th be with you. Well, happy Star Wars Day. <laughs> Who knew? Right? That's right. It's a thing, right? You may have heard some even say today, may the 4th be with you. Today is Star Wars Day. What began as a pun from the famous movie line, may the 4th be with you. Well, may the 4th be with you, Thank Mike. You. <laughs> today is Star Wars Day, the 4th, may the 4th, as in may the 4th be with you. Well, Star Wars fans are again celebrating may the 4th, as in may the force be with you. Make it stop. And, oh, wait, why, why, why do I start with and? Uh, it's as if I started by saying something else. And is a conjunct. Well, yeah, who cares? Anyway, thank you for listening. This is the Atari 7800 Homebrew Podcast, and I am your host, Sean. And something I realized, um, Bill on Atari Bytes has been kind of, uh, in the last couple of episodes, he has been explaining his podcast because he had just been at Midwest Gaming Classic and may have acquired new listeners because of that. And I realized I should probably do the same thing here because at Midwest Gaming Classic, I did a little bit of plugging for the Atari 7800 Homebrew Podcast, even though I was really there representing Pie Factory Podcast. But hey, uh, we can forgive that, right? Right? So in case I picked up any new listeners because of that, or for any other reasons, uh, just to give you an idea of why I'm doing this podcast. Well, there was another podcast called the Atari 7800 Game by Game Podcast, hosted by No Swear Gamer, Phil. And that podcast came to an end because Phil literally ran out of games to talk about. People had asked him, hey, what about the homebrews? And Phil said, well, I really just want to keep it limited to the original official Atari 7800 release lineup. And also, I don't know if he actually has any homebrews, so he might not feel comfortable talking about stuff he doesn't actually have. Well, well not knowing what the heck I'm talking about never stopped me from faking it <laughs> badly. But Phil has a little bit more scruples than I do, I guess. So I stepped forward. I said, hey, let me take care of that. I have a lot of the homebrews, and actually I have every homebrew on Atari Age, I realize, plus some stuff you don't get through Atari Age. So I was like, you know what? Let me do it. Let me do it. I can handle it. So I've been doing this for about a year and a half now, and I've already gone through every single game available in the Atari Age store except for Pac-Man Collection, which I'm still working on, still working on. The episode on that will probably happen this summer. And I keep thinking, wow, um... I'm going to be running out of games to talk about soon, and I'm also going to be talking about homebrew hardware. In fact, my previous episode, of course, was about homebrew hardware. It was about, uh, what the heck was it? Oh, the Cuddle Cart 2, that's right. And I do believe my next episode, I'm going to go back to hardware again. This time, I'm going to talk about hardware that I actually own. Episode 36 will be about the Mateos 16-in-1 rewritable cartridge. It might be a short episode, but... We'll see what happens. In fact, I think this current episode that you're listening to right now is going to end up being a little bit short, but that's okay. And I'm thinking, man, I'm going to run out of stuff to talk about. And then you got people like Franco Dragon, Clark Otto, who just had a title released that I'm going to be talking about soon. And I haven't even gotten to all of his games yet. 
And he keeps making new ones. He keeps making new ones with 7,800 basic. So he's going to keep me busy for a while. And Bob DiCrescenzo is working on a new homebrew now that I am just already. I mean, the guy is really going to outdo everybody on the face of the earth the way he's going. So he's got something coming um, soon, I hope. It's a, a homebrew port of baby Pac-Man, including the pinball portion. That's going to be something else. I believe TEP392 is working on Donkey Kong 2. I think that's going to be a 7800 project. And the more I think about it, the more I think I want to learn 7800 basic and do my own homebrew. And what else can I say? This is, this podcast is going to keep me busy. I thought I was going to have a break soon, but maybe not. Maybe not. You know, I just might take a break anyway, depending on how things go, just so I could do other things for a little bit. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But anyway, hey, uh, it might be a little bit noisy this episode, and I'll explain why. Uh, I don't know how it's been throughout the rest of the country and the rest of the world, but here in the Midwest, I live in Chicago. I'm recording this in my home in Chicago. And here, it has been crazy cold lately for, for the spring. I talked about how Midwest Gaming Classic, it snowed the, the most of the weekend. And some places got hit a lot harder. Like, I think Green Bay, Wisconsin, I think they got a couple of feet of snow, actually, in mid-April. Well, it finally got warm, at least here in Chicago it did. And it turns out that our air conditioning doesn't work. We think it might need a shot of Freon, so the air conditioning repair guy is going to be here. Actually, I think later today, the day I'm recording this. So we're in kind of a hot, sticky apartment, and... uh it cooled down a little bit outside, so we lower, opened up all the windows, and just to keep air circulating, I have the door to this room open. And I live on a busy street. You can probably hear the traffic going by, and after it rains, it gets louder, because the sound of cars going along the pavement with wet pavement, it kind of amplifies the sound a little bit, so I apologize about that. You might hear my beagle walking back and forth now and then. Hopefully she won't pick up her squeak toy this time. <laughs> She's done that a few times. You could hear that thing uh, over the uh, recording. I apologize for previous episodes for doing that. I realized when I was listening back that it got kind of annoying. <laughs> but hey, that's what you got to deal with when you have a dog, and it's definitely worth it. Definitely worth it. So, <sighs> and um, well, I don't know what else to say in this intro. Oh, I know what else to say about in this intro. I had the pleasure of having dinner with longtime listener of the show, Trek MD, Eugenio, and it was wonderful to meet him and uh, spend some quality time with him. He was in Chicago for some kind of conference that he had to attend, literally about half a block down the street from where I worked. So we got together for dinner at a uh, Thai restaurant, and uh, we sat and chatted for a little bit. My wife was actually going to join us. I asked her if she wanted to, because you know she she and I hadn't spent a lot of time together in a while because I was busy doing other things, and she was busy doing other things. I had my second job, which recently just came to a stop for now. Because what, my second job, in case I haven't mentioned it, is I'm a test prep instructor part-time, and the course that I was teaching just ended, so I'm not going to be having my second job for a while yet unless they call me today and say, hey, we got a course starting up. Can you teach tomorrow? <laughs> but... We'll see how that goes. I hope, hopefully not. I would like a little bit of a break there. Yeah, the extra money is good, but the break is good too. 
And she decided, she said, you know what? All the stuff that we've been busy with, there's a lot of stuff I need to get done. So you guys just have a good time. Plus, you're going to be talking about your little video games, which we did, but not the whole time by any means. But it was it was wonderful to uh, to meet and, and spend some time with Eugenio. Eugenio, thank you so much for uh, spending some time with me. It was really, really fun. I hope we get to do it again sometime. See, the cool thing about doing this on a podcast is I that stuff I just said, it would not have flown in radio when I just directly addressed Eugenio, because in radio, that's called a point-to-point communication. You can't really directly address a single person, at least for your own personal benefit. It's, uh, it's actually illegal that, hey, this is a podcast where pretty much anything goes, anything goes. This is a weird incident I have to t- talk about because we uh, finished dinner. We stepped outside. I pointed out the building where I worked to Eugenio is like right there. And then some guy came over to us and you know, a panhandler basically ask, asking for money. And well, he said, Hey, you guys got any spare change. I need some food. The thing is, I don't carry cash with me. I, I just don't. I, I, the only time I ever have cash on me is if. I'm going to the bank to get some quarters for for the uh, washing machine or something. That's it. That's it. I never carry cash. And Eugenio didn't have any cash. So we're like, yeah, I don't have any cash. And it turns out I had leftovers from dinner, like in my hand. I actually, and this is a, a pretty big thing for me too, because I sell, I, I never leave a restaurant with food. I mean, I usually finish my, I usually just eat everything. This time I didn't. I was like, you know what? I've had enough. I'm just going to take the rest home. I said, you know what? I have this uh, food from uh, from the restaurant here. He, and you can have it. And he said, oh, is that Chinese food? I said, well, it's Thai food. It's from this place right here. And he touched me on the shoulder, leaned in and said, you know what? I'm just going to go get something else. <laughs> I don't know what that was about. <laughs> he didn't know what he was missing. It was really good. The thing is, I'm not a Thai food person. I know, I know, I know that just, just kill me. Okay. <laughs> but I don't like Thai food. Usually I find it boring and disappointing, but uh, the place we went to is called star Siam. That stuff is really, really good, really good. So if you're ever in Chicago, you're downtown Chicago and you want some uh, good Thai food, I highly recommend star Siam. It's on uh, Illinois street, uh, between Wabash and state. I think, yeah, between Wabash and state. When I gave Eugenio directions on how to get there from his hotel, I told him that it's right by a bookstore that has a copy of Atlas Obscura in the window. The reason that stuck out to me was because that bookstore for a while had a copy of Art of Atari in the window. (laughs) So um, I, I just always think of that place as the Art of Atari store. I posted a picture of that on Facebook once, and someone's like, ooh, Art of Atari, awesome. Good to see. Tim Lapatino was happy to see that in the window, too. And someone else said, ooh, they also have Atlas Obscura. I might want to get that. So I always remember that, as, and they still have Atlas Obscura in the window to this day. Not Art of Atari, but hey, they still have Atlas Obscura. I don't remember the name of the bookstore either, and I work right there. Go figure. Oh, well. So, and you know what? I'm going to stop babbling, and... uh I should probably get on with the topic of today's episode and the topic of today's episode. Well, the episode is not about a game, so to speak. This episode, episode 35, is about a brand new homebrew title in the 7800, just came out just weeks ago. So I didn't expect to get much feedback on it because it's so new. 
It is a book cart. It is called The Journey of Snail, an e-novel for the Atari 7800. Snail. It's a book cart, like I mentioned, and it's done pretty much by the same people who did the E.T. book cart that I reviewed a few episodes ago. The Journey of Snail itself, the story was written by Charles F. Gray, and the actual physical coding, the development, was by Gambler172. The label artwork was done by Greg Zumwalt, or Zumwalt, I'm not sure how he pronounces it, formerly known as Snailsoft on Atari Age. And in the opening screen where it gives you the credits, it actually says, and a big thanks, T-H-A-N-X, to Rev Eng. And I believe he's the genius behind 7800 Basic, which is why he gets a shout out there. I'm guessing this was programmed in Basic. I think it was. The Journey of Snail, it's one of those rare homebrew games that doesn't actually have a downloadable ROM of the full game. The only thing available is a preview ROM, just a limited version of the title. And I can put a link to that in the show notes, uh, if I can find it, that is. But about the cartridge itself, when you fire it up, you get the standard Atari splash screen like you always do. Then you get a title screen and you hear a quick blast of charge. I think there are some bugs in this because if you move the joystick up, you get just a blank green screen. And if you do too much with the joystick before you get to the title screen, you're kind of stuck. You don't get anything. You just get some sound and blank screen. But if that happens, just turn off your console, turn it back on, and press the fire button. When you press the fire button, the actual main feature starts with a disclaimer. The disclaimer begins, any resemblance to real persons, places, or things, living or dead, is purely coincidental. And it goes on for quite a long time, and the further on it goes, the progressively sillier it gets. I highly recommend reading it. It's very entertaining. At the very end of the disclaimer are the instructions for the book cart. Quite simply, press fire for next page, press up for previous page. From that point on, all it is, it's just an ebook, really. It's 21 chapters. It's a green background with white text, so it's a pretty pretty decent contrast. Pretty decent contrast, at least on my TV. I have one of those newfangled uh, HD TVs. There's only one old-style cathode ray tube TV in this apartment, and I don't feel like dragging my console all the way over to it to uh, just to see it in good old-fashioned, as the developers intended, BS or whatever. I don't, I, I don't do that. So I don't know how this will look on a CRT screen, but at least on what I use at a modern TV, it looks nice and sharp. It's very readable. Now, I'm not going to give away too much of the plot because, hey, I, if you want to know the plot, I recommend you buy the cart. See if uh, there are any available. Uh, if you, I'll put a link to the thread on Atari Age in which you can buy the cart. But here's the gist of the story, at least. Here's how at least what the main plot is going to unfold as. 
there's a main character named Pen, and she is a uh, let's. I'll just put it to you gently because I want to. That's this is one thing. This is I want this to be as family listenable as possible, <laughs> but. The journey of Snail is not a family-friendly story, unless you have a very bizarre family. So I'll just put it to you this way. Penn sells herself for a living, and her her boss, <clears throat> Pimp, <clears throat> is named Mr. Ice. And the story starts out with Penn trying to escape her evil boss, so the text says. The titular character is named Snail. And Snail owns a Tron Guy picture cart. There's another character introduced named Lar, and he stole the cart for Pen from Snail. And, um, well, Pen thanks Lar in a rather, well, uh, um, extremely thankful way, let's just say. So, what happens next is, uh, there are several chapters that follow not necessarily Snail's journey, but really Penn's journey on her escape. She happens to find a hut, and she takes a nap in a bed in the hut, and she's woken by an apparition of her late mother. And her mother was also a um, player, let's just put it that way. And when Penn's mother died... She was too bad for heaven, and hell didn't want her either, so she was kind of stuck in between. And Penn's mother had a message for Penn. Her spirit told Penn that Penn was on the same road. She's already doomed to not go to heaven, and hell is not going to want her either. Penn's late mother's message to Penn was, Listen, Penn, since you're doomed anyway... You're not going to heaven. You might as well just live an evil, mortal life. Start by getting revenge against Snail. Get revenge against everybody who wronged you. And uh, so that's that adventure right there. And um, I'm going to be quite honest. That's, well, first of all, I don't want to really go any further than that because I don't want to give away too much of the plot. But also, I'm going to be quite honest. I... I couldn't really follow the plot. I really couldn't. And uh, the rest of my discussion of this title is going to be kind of a critique. And I really hate doing this, but I'm being honest here with my own personal feelings. Here's the thing. It's called the journey of snail, but there's snail. Isn't really the primary character in this ebook. He is a primary character, from, from what I can tell, Snail is just a person's name, even though the artwork has an actual snail in it. And the thing is, the way the the story is worded, it's it, I found it pretty confusing, because it says that Mr. Ice is evil, but one of the things that Penn's mother says was that Mr. Ice was Penn's soulmate. And the reason that Penn had to get revenge against Snail was that Snail interfered with the two of them and basically destroyed their relationship. And Penn stands up for Snail and says, Snail helped me. So it's, it's I, I don't really know what's going on. Does she like Snail? Does she not like Snail? It's, it's hard to say. It's really hard to say. But one thing I should talk about, though, is the Tron Guy picture cart. And what's the Tron Guy picture cart? Well, let's start by saying what is Tron Guy, because I'm going to be honest, I had never heard of Tron Guy before I started researching this title. And it turns out that Tron Guy 
in case you'd never heard of him, is someone named Jay Maynard, and he is a computer programmer, and he became known for showing up at PenguinCon in 2004. And PenguinCon is a annual sci-fi and fantasy convention, and uh, it's held in Michigan. He showed up wearing a Tron costume that he had painstakingly made himself, and he quickly became known as the Tron guy. He's worked on actually a lot of pretty famous titles, I believe, not just computers, but video games, I think. Uh, I'm not going to get too much into Tron Guy because I don't want to uh, I don't want to derail this podcast any further than I usually derail it. <laughs> and the Tron Guy picture cart is a homebrew made by, I think, the same team that did The Journey of Snail. It is an Atari 2600 homebrew cartridge, came out around 2007-2008. And kind of like how with the E.T. book cart and The Journey of Snail in which the cartridge itself does not really contain a game. It's more of something you just read on the screen. The Tron Guy picture cart was something similar, and the inspiration was basically those Kodak digital picture CDs. If you wanted to get your old-fashioned film camera developed, you had an option to put your pictures on a CD, and that's kind of what inspired the Tron Guy picture cart. The Tron Guy picture cart was a series of photographs of Jay Maynard in his Tron guy costume. And it was done with Jay Maynard's blessing. There were only 15 copies made at a cost of $105 each. There was a really nasty thread that only lasted two pages before it got locked. There was a nasty thread on Atari age over that cartridge and about whether or not they're profiting over somebody else's code and uh, things just got pretty, pretty uh, wicked in that thread, and it was shut down very quickly. But the Tron Guy picture cart was a series of surprisingly very high-resolution pictures that you could display on a, an Atari 2600. So that's what that was all about, and I guess that's why there was a uh, big deal about that in the story, The Journey of Snail, because, hey, this, someone stole a rare 15-copy, $105 cartridge. Now, going back to The Journey of Snail, uh, again, it's just text on a screen, white text on a green screen. At the end of each chapter, there are some very minor graphics, just uh, basically black stick figures. A little bit on the high-res side, but uh, you know, nothing really impressive. It's just basically to accent the text. There are some, there are some real life novels that do that where at the end of a section or a chapter, you may see just a little scribble drawing of uh, something involving the chapter you just read. And uh, the journey of snail is no different. As you press the fire button, the fire button effectively is a page turner. And when you press the fire button, you hear a sound effect that kind of sounds like a page being turned. And I kind of like that. And what is unique about the journey of snail is that when you get to the final chapter, you kind of notice that the story gradually goes from third person point of view to second person where instead of saying, well, snail did this and pen did this, it suddenly says you enter the forest and it's like, Oh, and then you learn why it's because it becomes essentially a choose your own adventure book. And that's really the ending. It is a it has a choose your own adventure kind of ending. You pick one ending and it goes one way. You pick another ending and it goes another way. 
The endings depend on what you do. You press a fire button, you get one ending. And if you press the select button on the console at the same time you press fire, you get a different ending. The way I did that, by the way, I just simply held down select and then hit the fire button once and that and uh, that did it. So it's not that you have to time it so you're precisely hitting this the two at the same time. But going back to how I said this is going to be more of a critique than really anything else, and I, I really hate doing that because I don't want to discourage anybody from supporting these homebrew developers at all. At all. I mean, if, fa- if reading fantasy is your thing, then please, please, please support Charles Gray and uh, Gambler172 and buy this cartridge. Please do that. But I do have some issues with it. For one thing, the text is in dire need of proofreading there it's there are some passages that are very hard to understand Uh, there are a lot of typos in the text for one thing and this was really confusing i don't know if this was intentional but there's a part where you enter a town named forset f-o-r-s-e-t and when i first read that i was confused i thought it meant wait a minute are, are you trying to tell me we're going into the forest or something I, I don't know if it was intentionally spelled that way as a pun off the word forest or what, but there are a couple of other times when the text suddenly spells forset as foster. I don't know if there was some kind of autocorrect going on when the raw code was being developed, but that needed some proofreading right there because that just kind of made things a little bit confusing. There are a lot of grammar errors and a few spelling errors, and there are some inconsistencies in how certain things are written. So anybody listening to this who might be doing another book cart of any kind, please have somebody proofread it. Uh, in fact, I'm just going to put out my offer for all to hear. I will be happy to do it. I was a editor for a publishing company, a pretty large publishing company for a couple of years, and I am a grammar stickler. I really am in terms of the written word. There was um, some other minor niggles that um, came about First of all, I, I didn't really like it that if I had to stop reading and say turn off the 7800, that I had to start all the way from the beginning and keep pressing the fire button all the way through. What I would have loved is was if there was a table of contents that would uh, let you jump straight to the chapter that you uh, that you left off with. So that might be something for future book carts. Uh, anybody m- might want to do that. Do something like that. Like have like some kind of a table of contents where you could just jump straight to where you want to be or what you might want to do. Use high score cartridge functionality if possible or Atari Vox functionality so that you can possibly save a bookmark. I wonder if that's possible. I really don't know. I've never programmed anything for the Atari, so I don't know if that's a possibility, but it's something to think about if there's uh, any way you could do that. And speaking of Atari Vox, this might be an idea. This, I am absolutely not holding this against the journey of snail at all or ET book cart for that matter. But, um, you might want to offer, this is something for any book cart developer. You might want to consider having a function where if you have an Atari Vox, it actually reads you the text. This could be in case somebody is visually impaired yet still likes to fire up a video game console. And I'm not, and this is not a stretch because uh, going off topic a little bit here, there is somebody who goes to underground retrocade, my favorite place to play video games. There's someone who goes there regularly. I've never actually seen him, but I saw him in a documentary and he talked about how he goes to underground retrocade a lot. He's totally blind. He lost his sight 
sometime in the last 30 years, but he used to go to arcades all the time, but he still loves going to underground retrocade just to take in the sounds. So this might be something too, maybe a, a screen reader using the Atari Vox, or could be in just in the event that someone has a, a TV set in which the text doesn't look very clear. Again, I think this text was very clear. It was very easy to read, very easy to read. It was white on green, had very nice contrast, but something to think about. In terms of actual content, my advice, and this is something I noticed, this, this happens with a lot of uh, Franco Dragon, Clark Otto's games, and it happens with uh, The Journey of Snail, and that there seemed to be some kind of focus on inside jokes, where you kind of have to be familiar with an Atari Age thread in order to understand what really is going on at least in some kind of subtle way. You might want to try to avoid doing that if at all possible. I, even though I've been an Atari age user since I think for, I think about 15, 16 years, maybe even longer. I was not familiar with most of the stuff in this. I actually discovered it when I was going back and, you know, kind of looking things up, preparing for this episode. So I would say, try to avoid inside jokes if at all possible. And one big thing though, Something that went through my mind is that this is a cartridge that will only work in an Atari 7800, is 7800 specific. But looking at the cartridge itself and going through the ebook, there's nothing there, at least from what I can tell, that couldn't have been done on a 2600. So my advice to somebody doing a 7800 homebrew is make it something unique that can only be done on a 7800 like throw some really high res graphics that you can't get on a 2600 like do something like that i would strongly advise it just to uh, say hey you know this is a way to show off the system uh, i'm not i don't mean that as a slight against the journey of snail necessarily just some advice just to make you think you know what this is something that you can only do on a 7800 but yeah i I really had a hard time re like kind of comprehending what was going on. Cause some things just got to be a little bit confusing in terms of the plot, but I would absolutely not want Charles gray to not do another one of these. In fact, what you might want to do is like, maybe you just fix, fix this up a little bit, make it a little bit more easy to understand. And, uh, he's got something and he's probably got something really good going on there. One thing I do have to warn everybody about before you buy the journey of snail, please note that there is an adult content warning on the label. <laughs> and you probably got that from what I said before. This is uh, not a all ages game at all. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it, that didn't throw me off at all. I really, I, I really don't care one way or the other. I and mean, it's like, okay, to me, it's just a story. That's all there is to it. One thing I didn't like, though, is that it seemed that there was a little bit too much adulty stuff simply just for the purpose of being adulty stuff, but it wasn't really necessary to advance the plot, especially given that one of the main characters is a mayor, and just about every word out of his mouth is uh, something that you can't get away with saying on TV and something that I wouldn't be able to say on this podcast without having to put a check mark next to the explicit language field when I upload the podcast. So that's something to think about. Um, basically my overall thought on the journey of snail is this should have been better than what it was. It's asking to be better than what it was. And I really do think with just a little bit of proofreading, this would have been a lot better than I found it to be. 
and again, I don't want to discourage anybody from buying it. If you like fantasy stories, please, please, please get it. Uh, you'll hear from somebody you got feedback from who did enjoy the story, but this is just one guy's opinion. Some people might disagree with me. I don't want to um, hurt. I, I really hope I'm not hurting sales by saying what I'm saying. I'm just saying it as exactly as I see it. I have no plans on selling off my copy. I want to keep it. So, But having said all that, that's my opinion on the journey of Snail. There's also a box designed by Mark Oberhäuser, whose website is back online, by the way. I don't think you can get the box through his website, though. I think you have to contact him directly. Uh, it's not listed on his website, but I know there is one. Uh, but anyway, having said all that, I talked about my feelings about the journey of snail. So now let's hear about other people's feelings of the journey of snail. Waiter, there are snails on her plate. Now get them out of here before she sees them. You would think at a fancy restaurant like this, at these prices, you would be able to keep the snails off the food. There's so many snails in there. You can't even see the food. Now take them away and bring me those melted cheese sandwich appetizers. You talk me out of. Oui, monsieur. First, they didn't have the bamboo umbrellas for the wine, and now snails on the food. Like I said earlier in the episode, I don't expect to get a lot of feedback for this title. It's still new. And also the fact that it's just text and not really a game might put people off. People who just prefer games, probably not going to get this. So I wasn't expecting much feedback. But here is what I got for feedback on the journey of snail. Gambler172, the guy who coded this person, Walter says... Journey of Snail is a novel on cart. If you like a good story, I do not tell about it because I am the coder. So <laughs> I guess that's all he had to say about that. Uh, he's like, hey, what do you want from me? I am the guy who wrote the code. Frogo Gamer on Atari Age says, I'm reading Journey of Snail now. As was mentioned on here, it is a novel on a cart, but it does have a spot or two where you can choose how the story unfolds. It should be noted there is foul language and sexual themes in the story for those of you who don't like that sort of thing. And yeah, there are some people who are put off by that for various reasons. Me, yeah, it doesn't bother me, but that's just this one person's opinion. And let's see, Sean, not me, but some other guy named Sean. And what is it with people who misspell Sean? This is this guy spells it S H A W N. Hmm. I thought the way I spell it is pretty uh, phonetic, isn't it? S-E-A-N. It's very phonetic um, uh, if you speak Gaelic. But anyway, Sean says, Journey of the Snail is an ebook. The story isn't my cup of tea, but some like it. And uh, that's all you had to say about that. So I will, I do have to admit that uh, one of the things that put me off, it was just my prejudice, really. I was put off before I even started reading it simply because of the journey of snail. And I saw that it had to do with forests. It's like, Oh God, this is probably something that has to do with magic. And, you know, I just, I just don't like fiction normally to begin with. And once you put in like magic and forests and things that involve witches and wizards, it's like, Oh God, another one of these. Yet I like the Harry Potter series. Go figure. I don't know. I don't know. I did get a feedback actually from the previous episode. S. Ramirez 2008 says, just listen to episode 34, Cuddle Cart 2, thumbs up. Sorry to hear about your 7800 power supply. There's a new one available from Best Electronics, and he posted a link. And yeah, um, S. Ramirez uh, and uh, actually my friend Keith, who lent me his power supply, he sent me the same link too to Best Electronics. And I, I ordered it yesterday. I ordered the power supply from there. I do have a couple of other 7800s with working power supplies, so I've been using one of those uh, power supplies lately. 
one of the 7800s, it's basically a backup for me in case something goes wrong. And another one, I'm going to see if I can uh, put one of those newfangled AV mods in there. There's supposed to be a, a, an AV mod that's a little bit better than the standard traditional one. And I, I've had it for months and I haven't tried it yet. But anyway, let's move back to the topic, which is the journey of snail. In shock of all shocks, I got a feedback about that from Eugenio, TrekMD, who once again might as well have written the script. That's I'm not even going to start taking notes on my episodes until I hear from Eugenio and his his email from now on. That's just going to be the script of my podcast. <laughs> what do you think? Should I do that? I don't know. Well, let's see. Here's what Eugenio says. Hello, Sean. I hope all is well. Let me start by saying that it was really cool meeting you while I was visiting Chicago. It's always nice putting a face to a name, but also meeting another person with a common interest. Fascinating how these old consoles help us make connections, isn't it? So let me give you some feedback for today's game, The Journey of Snail. It's uh, not really a game, but I'll... Oh, he goes on to say that The Journey of Snail is one of those homebrews for the 7800 that is not a game. Much like the E.T. book cart, The Journey of Snail is an electronic book for the 7800, but unlike the E.T. book cart, this one is more of an electronic fantasy novel. The story was written by Charles F. Gray, and the cartridge was programmed by Gambler172. The Journey relates the story of Penn and her revenge on the titular Snail. Though this is a fantasy story, it is not a story meant for children. In fact, the label very clearly states that this is an adult story, and there is no doubt about that. Very early on, it is quite clear that you don't want your children reading this unless they themselves are adults. Since the story is relatively short, I don't want to give away the story elements so as not to spoil it for anyone who has not had a chance to get the cartridge yet. The story is told over 21 chapters, and there are two endings the reader can choose from. When you get to that point, you can either press the fire button to get one version of the ending or select and fire simultaneously to read the other ending. You can always read both endings, of course, just by starting the book again and selecting the one you did not select the first time around. That's exactly what I did. Visually, The Journey of Snail is pretty much what it sets out to be, a book. Pretty much all you have on the screen is text. There is a title screen that gives you the credits, and then you advance by pressing fire. If you want to go back a page or more, you press up on the joystick. Some of the pages do have graphical elements, but they're not sophisticated graphics. Some of these look like roads with some characters or small buildings at either side. There are some sounds when you pass the pages, and when the story ends, that's pretty much it when it comes to sound. The cartridge label is very colorful and does have some of the characters of the story on it. Originally, there was no box, but Mark Oberhäuser made a gorgeous box for those of us who like to have boxes for our carts. So, what did I think of the story? I liked it. Had fun reading it, smiley face. Going to the Final Frontier Gaming, Eugenio. And thank you, Eugenio. Thank you so much for your thoughtful feedback, as usual. The label artwork really is visually striking. It really is. The only problem is it's hard to read the title of it because the title is in a similar color scheme to the rest of the label, so it's kind of almost camouflaged. Like, if you're not in good lighting, you're not going to be able to make out the title, but really, the, the artwork on the label is very, very impressive. But yeah, please take Eugenio's advice, and this this is definitely not for kids at all. At all! At all! <laughs> in fact, I mentioned No Swear Gamer before, and in his videos, when he reviews a video game, he talks about what the entertainment software rating board, ESRB, would rate 
the video game. That's the United States standard. And the journey of snail would easily rate no lower than an M mature, possibly going into AO territory adults only. Uh, I really don't know how they would do that considering this is a text game and they're, and the only graphics kind of like what Eugenio says are very, very minimal. They're not, uh, the most elaborate things in the world. They're really just stick figures when you think about it. So I don't know. I don't know how that would go, but uh, that's it for feedback for this episode. Thank you so much, everybody. And so wraps episode 35 of the Atari 7800 homebrew podcast. Thank you for taking the time to God knows why listen to this podcast. And I do specifically have uh, people that I want to thank right now. So I will do that. Thank you to Airshack, Adladen Controllers, Kyle Etter, Jimmy G, Gray Defender, Richard Grounds, PJ Steele, and Richard Valdez. Thank you all so much. Why am I thanking them? Well, I am thanking them because they are people who have chosen to monetarily support the Atari 7800 Homebrew Podcast via Patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Homebrew78. If you would like to do same, I encourage you to do that. You can give a dollar a month or more if you so desire. Or if you're either cheap or poor or don't think I deserve it, then don't give anything. Just listen. <laughs> but um, By the way, I do occasionally run certain um, giveaways that are exclusive to Patreon sponsors. And uh, I had one recently. The carts are going out soon. Those of you who have won, I apologize for the time. Uh, it is partly because my printer broke down and I had to get a different printer. But because <laughs> I can't get to the post office during certain times when they're open. And anyway, I'm not going to get into that right now. But thank you guys so much for supporting me. In the meantime, uh, the upcoming episode, episode 36, will be talking about the Mateos 16-in-1 rewritable multi-cart. So if you have any thoughts on that, please send them my way via email at homebrew78 at fab4it.com. And that is spelled F-A-B, and then the actual number 4, and then it.com. If you want me to address your feedback about that on episode 36, then please send your feedback no later than, uh, let's say, 11.59 Central Daylight Time PM on Wednesday, May 16th. Wednesday, May 16th. Anything I get after that, I'll address later. You can send me text or audio. You can visit the show notes for this episode and every other episode of this podcast on the web at homebrew78.fab4it.com. You can reach out to me on Twitter at homebrew78, and the YouTube channel is homebrew7800. Once again, episode 36 will be about the Mateo 16 and 1 rewritable multi-cart. And after that, I'm not sure what I'll be doing next. What I'm going to try to do from this point on is kind of alternate between hardware and software, as it were. Anyway, thank you again for listening. And please give these hardworking homebrew developers the support they deserve. Have a great May, everybody.
May the fourth be with you. It's uh, or with you rather. <laughs> Shut up!